I'm not just going to eat dry chicken and dry rice and, and nothing. For who? For who? For who? In this country as well. Like, if I lived in Rio where I have to be topless every day, but not this. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Lick the Plate. I'm your host, Cameron Bernard-Jones. I invited my best friend Ricardo down to my home here in London for a cute French breakfast. Croissants, pan raisin, and coffee from my bean-to-cup machine that I am in love with. This breakfast was in honor of not only our love for Paris, but for our like highly anticipated but not yet planned trip to Paris together we keep putting out into the atmosphere but it's not happened yet i think it'll happen soon who knows let's just hope anyways ricardo is originally from sao paulo brazil and grew up in lisbon portugal he's now an actor residing here in london we got into so much from his life in portugal to his family life here in london and all the fun bits in between let's check it out you are probably one of my most like culturally diverse people that I have in my life, if that makes any sense. I mean, yeah. you come from all over, basically. You have so many global experiences that help color who you are as a person and who, who I know Ricardo to be. And so it was really important for me to just tap into that. And so I consider you to be my like melting pot friend, if you will. Oh my god! Yeah, you have a bit of Brazil, you have a bit of Portugal, Britain, of course, and the Philippines, which we'll get into. Correct. Um, a bit later. So yeah, but yeah, we met in Edinburgh during the fringe in the summertime, which is beautiful. I mean, I know the time you had was a bit whatever, but yeah, yeah, yeah. as the city was, like, did you like it? Incredible. Um, I'd never been there before. I've been to Scotland, but not Edinburgh. Mm. So I was gagged. Like, when you arrive, it really is giving you the Harry Potter world, yeah, uh, which I love. And it's good because your shows are usually one hour. It's like a random slot of the day. Mm. So really, when you're there, you're there to perform. But really, you get to have a really amazing time. Yeah. Especially if you are with a show that is kind of arranging your accommodation, paying you to be there, which really isn't the case for everyone in the Fringe. Exactly. Uh, so it is a place of privilege. So I really got to know the city. It was really good. And I saw a bunch of theatre, which is exciting. Did you have any other food? Did you have any local Scottish cuisine? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's giving no. It's giving I was on a calorie deficit. <laughs> <laughs> One of my mini diets. Uh so no, I don't think so. I didn't have haggis or Scottish things. I wasn't into it. And at the time I was a vegetarian as well. So I think it was giving ah, okay. figuring out how to hit my proteins and carbs whilst on a vegetarian diet. Yeah. And it was working somehow. Oh. Check the pics. Well, fast forward from Edinburgh Fringe, we ended up working together in Motown the Musical. It was the years 2018 to 2019. Yes, yeah, so that's the third year of Motown mm -hmm. here in the West End. And I have to say, I may have told you this, but okay. you are the reason why I appreciate a really good espresso. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Tell me more. Because you had a machine at work. 
Who brings a <laughs> <laughs> Who brings an espresso machine to work? Ricardo does. I do. And listen, um very recently I've been working with quite a few graduates and stuff because that happens every job there's new people in the industry and I made sure to tell them that my coffee machine has a better CV than most of them. Uh- <laughs> And I was like, guys, this machine has been at the Phoenix. This has, <laughs> I, she's got a CV. It's better than mine. Trust me. Does she have a name? She does not have a name. No, 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 no. She's not a friend. <laughs> just she a just colleague? Works, she just works for me. Yeah. She's part of the staff. Screaming. <laughs> she is <laughs> a girl. Yeah. You gave me my very first really good espresso in a glass, little glass espresso cup, which I miss. I, I need it. I mean, I have espresso cups now at home, but it wasn't quite like that. It was beautiful. And I think just the whole, like the crema you had on top of it, it just, it was perfect. And I've been missing it. So where is it? It's it's coming. It's coming. Um, It's like a ritual almost, isn't it? It's part of every meal. It's part of my mid-morning. It's part of my day so much. I miss it when it's not there. Hence, when you're in the West End, when you're in a theater show, I feel like just going to pray, going to just makeshift places for me, it doesn't work. You know, I need it to just be there. That's why it's called espresso. Quick. Uh, <laughs> espresso. Espresso. So I, it's just part of who I am. So it legit goes to, um, now without the gags, it actually goes with me to every dressing room that I'm part of. No matter what. So this summer I was in a tent and best believe the coffee machine was in a tent. I had to get pack tested. It was like one of the only things that they approved out of everything. Guys, no, no, no hair dryers, no this, no that because of the electricity and the ah, fact yeah. that there's a show going on. There's limited power source, but best believe the Nespresso machine made it through. I love it. How many coffees do you have a day? Um, I reckon I will, I will wake up with a latte, mid morning espresso, lunch, post lunch espresso. And then maybe in the afternoon. But by four o'clock, I stopped drinking coffee. Okay. So even when you're doing a show, you you would have had your last coffee by four. Then I rearranged the schedule. So ah, okay. And this might annoy everyone in the dressing room, but it I have been known to have the espresso be- at beginners. So beginners goes and you'll hear the machine go. Okay, for those who don't know, the term beginners is a term used in the British theatre industry, a.k.a. places in the United States. It's the call for actors to head to their designated places on stage or backstage for the top of the show. Because people really start fizzling and going downstairs as beginners hits, isn't it? So I make sure that my schedule's done, I've brushed my teeth, I've done all the little bits and bobs that I want to have, spritz, moisturizer, everything is ready to go. And then I just press, I drink my my coffee and I'm ready to go. So I will have one at beginners or at the five. Yeah, I, especially in these last couple of years, especially, I survived Ain't Too Proud because of coffee. Mm. Because of the energy that show took. I mean, I would definitely have it, as you say, yeah, by... No, for me, it was the half hour call. Mm-hmm. I had to have it by then. Um, so I give that 30 minutes for it to really kick in. Because mm-hmm. once it was go, it was go. Correct. So yeah, I appreciate you. But I didn't have your espresso cup. But well, and this is a secret. Okay. Sometimes my dresser, I won't name names, <laughs> will get it is fine. a nice old school Italian espresso cup. 
from the place just next door and bring it to my room. Wow. No, it's something about the vessel that it comes in. It can't just be a paper cup. Like, and I've had it, and it just doesn't taste right. It doesn't taste the same. It's like having wine in a red solo cup or any old plastic cup, really. Correct. But sometimes having tap water in a wine glass really works for me. (laughs) Fun fact. uh, Ricardo is now drinking tap water from one of my wine glasses at home. So he picked it, not me. Absolutely. (laughs) But you said you weren't impressed that I did. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing you really solidified as one of my favorite beverages was a caipirinha. I mean, I've had them before, right? And I've only really had them in New York City at bars. So most of them weren't made as good as I I thought they should have been. Correct. But I was like, well, whatever. I'm not making it. And then you became like our pseudo barman after hours at Motown. Why? Please oh. explain. Because you, I mean, it was legit. And it's not like I had the time because I was on a lot. Yeah, you like, were on a lot. In Motown, no we worked. Like there was, like I'd look forward to my days that I wasn't on and they barely came by. But I think part of who I am, part of my culture is hosting and being hospitable. Mm. That's one of my love languages. That's how I express friendship and love and care towards others. So because, you know, being an actor, it means I've worked in hospitality a lot. I have that skill, but also I will always take my caipirinha recipe from my dad. Uh, He makes the best caipirinha I've ever had. Mm. And he makes it so easily, like you blink and it's done. But there is a process to it, but it's kind of part, he just chats to you, he makes it, and it's there. And I love that. So I've always carried that with me. So I just thought that this is how I, this is how I do, this is what I do. I can do this. So can you give us a layman's recipe for a caipirinha? It's super easy. White sugar, please. It's not a mojito. So this is where, when it arrives and it's a little brown, like, I'm like, it's not a mojito. So I'm already like, eek. So white sugar, lime. Make sure you don't use the white bit in the middle of the lime. I'm sure there's a name for that. You know, the like, pith. Correct. And cachaça, which is a sugarcane spirit from Brazil. And it's not vodka. Oh, it's like vodka. It's not like vodka. Like, just let it be something different. <laughs> These are my struggles that I've had in life. That's really it. There's nothing else to it. You know, the part, the rest of it is patience, mixing, ice, don't add soda water. Don't add lemonade. There's nothing to it. I'm pretty sure I've had made a caipirinha with soda. Correct. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's not a thing. No. If you make it slowly, you make it like the ice starts melting and it just becomes its own little long-ish drink. Yeah. Okay. The actor you are... Mm-hmm. You've worked in the West End and you've worked outside of London as well. So when you're on the road, whether that be here in the UK or when you are across the ocean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what's a go-to meal or snack or comfort food? Or like what's a must-have food item or drink? That's really funny that you asked me that. The <laughs> My go-to thing to have on tour is a Costco card. It's not... <laughs> listen that costco card saved me in the united states of america um 
and it does here also because I don't function without food food. There's no snack. There's nothing that I can pack that makes me happy without food. So ideally a place with a stove, please. Like I don't mind saying a hotel is cute, but luckily most of the places I've stayed with or while storing or doing bits have had a kitchen. And I do not take that for granted. It's part of who I am. Like some people require this, this and that to function. Uh, but apart from a nice skincare routine, I will be there cooking at any point of the day. So that's it. That Costco card saved me bulk buying a little fridge, just fill it up and I will cook every day and I'll bring food every day. And best believe in my track, there's a time to eat. <laughs> I will find it. Like between two numbers, you'll find me heating up some food, grrr, eating it, and I'll continue my show. I love that for you. <laughs> so you mentioned you were in the United States. I was. What were you doing there? So uh, 2022, <laughs> I went to the States for like a five-month tour, kind of over Christmas, finished March 23. And I went there with uh, Rice's Wuthering Heights. Ooh. Oh, it was excellent. Where in the States were you? Oh, so we started with San Francisco. I mean, the show went to New York, but I wasn't part of that specific part of the company. Mm -hmm. So they did five weeks there and we'd already rehearsed. So then I stayed back um, doing other bits. I also have my family sorting everything out. And then I joined the company in San Francisco, followed by LA, which was just such a vibe. Uh, and then we moved East in the country, we went to Chicago, and then we went to New Jersey. Uh -huh. And all the while doing stupid things like catching flights to Miami for 48 hours. As you do? As you do. Like, I was there <laughs> living um, and broken. But like, you know, <laughs> when do these opportunities come about, you know? So I really made the most of it within my means and what I can, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it was an amazing experience. And then I continued with the show. Once we came back, the tour ended, but there was a slight revival of the show in Amsterdam. So I went to Amsterdam as well with the show. So it's kind of filled out most of my my year. Like, Yeah. yeah. So San Francisco is known to have a really good food scene. Did you get to explore any of that? I did. I did. So one of my really good friends is a chef. He's a personal chef. Perfect. So it just meant that every time I had a day off, he made sure his day off was the same. <laughs> so funny, because I was kind of new to the company, but <laughs> every time we had a day off, I'd be like, see ya. Because like, <laughs> I was like, I'm here for five months with you guys. Yeah. And I have my mate here who is a chef. So he was taking me to the most incredible places, like the French Laundry, which people take months to get uh -huh. a booking in. And not me strolling into the kitchen. They're like, oh, yeah, this is my friend Ricardo. Da, 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 da. And um, it's not like his contact was even there that day. But because he's a personal chef and because he's friends of a friend of a friend, yeah. we had a, a tour of the kitchen. And then they have their gardens across the road that they pick everything and um, make the food from. Very fresh, very cute. So I had a full tour and meal at, at the French Laundry. And we went to a place called Bouchon, I think, also near Napa, which is just an amazing bakery. And I was like, Ah, oh, incredible. That day was incredible. Went to Napa Valley, like for a wine tour. And, and it's funny because everyone in the tour is like scrambling. It's like, how do we do this? How do we make this happen? And I legit have a driving friend in America uh -huh. who was taking me around every Monday when I had a day off. There was not a single Monday that we didn't do something wild. 
So it was lovely. It was really nice. I'm so jealous. First of all, I've never even been to California. The furthest west in the States I've been is Illinois, Wisconsin. Uh, okay. So, I mean, California is a figment of my imagination. No, I had no idea. And no idea. You know, it's... It could be because I'm from New York and, you know, the whole East Coast, West Coast thing. I I feel like, oh, well, I could go to Europe for the same travel time. But California is so different. So it's on my it's on my list. And I will be calling you to say, hey, um, can you get your chef friend to get me into the French laundry, please? And he will. Thank you. But California came through. It was what I needed it to be. Mm. Um, and I that was a bit of a... Within the company, I think people had just come from New York and they were living in Wall Street and the flats were giving and it was New York life. Whereas I was, I'd come from London. So I was loving, we were in Berkeley, San Francisco, ah. which is more of like a student town. People smoke a lot, very hippie vibes. Yeah. But I think I needed that where I was in life at the time. I needed to rest and, and relax and have that slow pace to my life, as well as doing an incredible show and the challenges that that brought along but i loved it and la was a moment as well so what was your favorite food out of all the places you were so cali chicago new york all of which great food scenes i mean we could have a whole separate episode about new york's food scene and of course even chicago's Mm -hmm. but they're all so different from each other and so was out of the three of them especially is there one you're like oh yeah i have to go back to that place just for the food. Yes, 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 yes. So in San Francisco, I won't remember the name of the place, we had pupusas. And I was like, well, it's giving bread and cheese. Until I ate one and I was like, wow. That was probably one of my best food experiences. Yeah. Pupusas. According to Rick Martinez on BonAppetit.com, pupusas are masa flour pouches filled with beans, cheese, and or meat. They are a signature dish of the Central American nation, El Salvador. And then I went back to a place to have pupusas that is featured in La La Land, the film, some food market. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't realize this. I just went there for the food. Again, I was lost in L.A. Terrible. Don't go out in L.A. with a GPS. (laughs) Crazy. It's not London. Like, (laughs) so, yeah, I was afraid for my life, but also enjoying the food on my own. Uh, But I had two experiences with with, uh, pupusas, and it was amazing that... And I had my first ever tacos in L.A. Wait, ever. your first e- ever. I know that's the reaction I usually get from <gasps> from people. From people. I mean, I guess that it's the place to have it. Correct. Do you remember what kind of tacos you had? Uh, birria. Ah. <laughs> to know what birria tacos are, we must first know what birria is. Adriana Adarme over at acozykitchen.com explains birria for us. She says, Hailing from Jalisco, Mexico, birria is a rich stew that is typically made with either goat or lamb. It's traditionally served in a consomme broth along with a mixture of cilantro and white onion. There are no tacos involved. Now, when we involve the tacos, birria tacos, also called tacos de birria and sometimes called quesadilla tacos, consist of the braised meat inside a corn tortilla that's been pan-fried in the fat that sits at the top of the birria. And then others that didn't match. So that's the only word that's stuck in, in my head because the other ones are, oh, mm, like that. But this rocked my world. 
And it was with a friend of mine that I literally met that day. <laughs> Sounds crazy. I wasn't just going around making friends, but I kind of was as well. Yeah. Uh, but Huli was a contact from a friend of mine back in London. And I, when I told him, I was like, Julio, listen, um, I've never had a taco. He looked at me like I was an alien, an alien. And I was like, so he made it happen. I couldn't, it was outside some supermarket. He's like, this is one of the best trucks. I was like, well, cool. I'm like, I don't know. So let's go. And it was amazing. We were just standing there. It was kind of cold. I remember that night, but it was my first one. I think he filmed it even. I think he was that perplexed. I need to see this video footage because, yeah, I mean, it, it, I can see it. I can see what the taco looks like, especially the birria one. And, and oh. uh, yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, you're going back to Cali. You're taking me with you, please. That would be a stupid trip. That would be wild. Not you giving me a tour in my own country. <laughs> right. <laughs> my own country. I love it. <laughs> and that's 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 the nature of our relationship. One hundred percent. We're going to play a game. Oh, no. You love games, right? I am a little competitive and nervous. Well, it's not against me. It's just a game for yourself. Okay. <laughs> it's called Diner's Choice. Diner's Choice. Diner's Choice. So okay. basically, I'm going to give you so this or that situation. Okay. So you have two things to pick from. Okay? Okay. Okay, okay. Mild or spicy? Spicy. Sweet or savory? Savory. Tangy or bitter? Tangy. Caipirinha or mojito? Caipirinha. <laughs> Crazy question. Sparkling water or still water? Ooh, sparkling water. Cappuccino or flat white? Uh, cappuccino. Oat milk or almond milk? Oat milk. French breakfast or English breakfast? French breakfast. Crazy. Garlic bread or bruschetta? <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, should I say bruschetta? <laughs> no, can you say garlic bread with an Italian accent? Oh, did I? <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> no. Uh, no, no, canceled and in jail. <laughs> uh, bruschetta, of course. Caesar salad or Greek salad? Greek. Bouillabaisse or ratatouille? I don't know if I know the first one, actually. Bouli? Bouillabaisse is a uh, fish stew. It's a French fish stew versus ratatouille being a French vegetable stew. Oh, wow. I see you stuck with the French. Da, da, da. I'm going to go with ratatouille basic. Vegetable spring rolls, which have been fried, or fresh prawn summer rolls? <gasps> oh, it's giving California. Let's go with the fresh prawn ones, even though I've never had it. Calamari or chicken wings? Chicken wings. Rubalo grillado, grilled sea bass, or bacalhau abras? Bacalhau abras, always. Chicken adobo or arroz con pollo? Chicken adobo, oh my gosh. Churros or sticky toffee pudding? Oh, churros. Chocolate mousse or chocolate souffle? Chocolate mousse, actually. Final one. Pastel de nata or bola de berlin? <gasps> bola de berlin, actually. Lick the plate. Lick the plate. Lick the plate. Lick the plate. Rewind us to... Your childhood. Oh, okay. Where are you mm -hmm. at around 10 years old? 10 years old? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so if we're going back 10 years... Um... False. 
<laughs> 10 years old. Nine, okay, 1997. Oh my gosh. Okay, 10 years old. We have moved from Cascais to Sintra. We live in an apartment. Humidity high. Because the apartments are not ready for the winter back home. Or they weren't back in the day, you know, when things were black and white when I used to, <laughs> to be young. <laughs> um, the dinner experience is always sitting down. It's not a rule. It's just what you do. It's not like we shall sit down around the table and not watch TV. I think watching TV and eating is just not a thing mm -hmm. or wasn't a thing. As in that we knew to be an option. Always sitting down around the table. But I did say this re uh, yesterday, I think to to my wife i was like i thought it smells like my childhood home and it's garlic like everything in brazilian cuisine has garlic and i was just everything you make just has chopped garlic and it's frying on olive oil so it's that smell that smell makes me hungry or tells me that it is time for lunch you know um so there's no such thing as just plain white rice yeah you know you you put uh, like a tablespoon of olive oil garlic salt sizzle it rice water so that smell you're like you hear that you know the food's going to be ready in 15 minutes because if you're making the rice if you hear that you know as soon as the rice is done that dictates the fact that the food is ready to go Ooh. right because obviously a stew takes a little bit longer da, 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 so you kind of time it so that oh in the rice an afterthought but then you know your subconscious is telling you lunchtime so it's always that smell garlic onion sizzling that really is lunchtime mm. and dinner yeah but primarily lunch because usually you carry over the food that you made for lunch and you have it reheat it for dinner what were some of the staple dishes that you would have rice and beans every day mm -hmm. or most days obviously growing up in portugal rice and beans wasn't such a thing but we were still a brazilian household so there were beans, but not as consistently as you'd have it in um, in Brazil. Mm -hmm. But rice, 100% every day. So that is a given. And then whatever else comes with it is a plus. So rice and beans and steak, rice and beans and chicken, rice and beans and whatever. Did you ever grow tired of rice and beans? I do not grow tired of rice and beans. No. In fact, when I grow tired of other things, I go back to rice and beans in life. Mm. Like I feel as in, and I'm, and I'm talking about in, in, in actual life. Like if I'm having a difficult time, if I'm going through a hard experience, I find that food grounds me in terms of the memories and the comfort. And I think some people find comfort in trash food, like, you know, burger, whatever. It's fine. Zero judgment, but I find comfort in. Rice and beans, <laughs> you know, and just having that, that, that makes me happy. Yeah. You know, what's so funny. You know, I, I grew up in New York city, mm -hmm. um, you know, which is a melting pot of all cultures. And, um, I spent a lot of time in Harlem, especially in Spanish Harlem mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, you know, visiting Washington Heights where there's a huge, you know, a Hispanic Caribbean population. Yeah. And so rice and beans has also been a part of my upbringing, even though I am, I'm not Hispanic or anything close to that. Yeah. Um, but there's something about, you know, of course, rice is very much a part of my culture. Yeah. Um, and some sort of like legume is also as well. Correct. So I guess the, the combination of those two is global. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's something about a Latin way of cooking rice and beans together regardless of the country that i'm i i can eat every day correct yeah 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 yeah. no matter what color the rice no matter what it, you have a a, a gandule or 
a a, a red kidney bean or whatever, a black, black bean. Black I be- have yeah. it every day. I don't know what it is about that combination that is so comforting. It's I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah, because really, when I look at the ingredients, it's so basic. But what they do to the food just brings so much out of it in different ways. Like the combination is good. It's the sauce over the rice. Oh, it just works so well. Yeah, it's it's special and I could have it every day for sure. Yeah. In fact, (laughs) when I got a a personal trainer, that was my first question. He's like, because he gave, gave me the food that I had to eat. And I looked at it and I was like, this is not made for the brown folk. Like, where's my happiness? Like, I want to look a certain way, yet I want to be happy. I was like, how do I incorporate rice and beans into this, please? Thank you very much. <laughs> and then he found a way. Because I was like, I'm not just going to eat dry chicken and dry rice and, and nothing. For who? For who? For who? In this country as well. Like, if I lived in Rio, where I have to be topless every day, but not this. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> So you explained that you were a Brazilian family, but in Portugal. Mm-hmm. Was that a huge shift for you? Huge shift, yeah. But I was only five. Mm. So people go, oh, so you don't remember. I was like, no, I remember. Because even though it was only a move, there, I think there's an element of trauma in there. Not that it's negative, but it's such a huge change that it marks you. Mm-hmm. So I almost feel like I have my life before Portugal and my life from the moment I arrived in Portugal. That's kind of how I always saw myself. Mm. I still revert to that. I still arrive at Lisbon Airport and I remember arriving there when I was five. Wow. Um, and this is not to say that it hasn't changed, but the layer, I know where to go and get a coffee the minute I arrive. And that's even before I leave customs <laughs> you know there's a coffee shop by the way you, where yeah. you have your bags i don't yeah, know you've yeah. been there recently i know where that coffee shop is often i go to get an espresso before i even get my luggage that's crazy it's wild and you smell the ocean when you arrive in lisbon i love it what do you remember of your brazilian childhood so from my brazilian childhood i still remember school i remember watching soap operas with my mom in the in the on the sofa I remember getting told off because you're a kid. Like, I remember random moments where I was just getting told off for being annoying. Um, I remember my grandparents' house. I remember church. And I remember leaving for the airport. And I remember arriving in Portugal and who was waiting for us. Uh, because those people in Portugal, we had no family there. They became our family. Oh, wow. There was three sets of couples who became our grandparents, kind of, our uncles, kind of. We, we, we referred to them as family. And they were really technically, not technically, they were... Like a kind of like a spiritual family almost, like, you know, more closer to me than the people in Brazil through the years. Uh, And I I remember all of that. So that's kind of my, those are my memories from pre-Brazil, pre-Portugal to arriving in Portugal. Do you remember the first uniquely Portuguese food that you had, that you had never had before? I was annoying in terms of eating. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was that kid that didn't have butter. I'm like, you know, I don't want butter. I was that person. So no, I do not remember because I wouldn't eat. I refused to eat anything that just wasn't the rice and beans, the basics. Pizza without cheese. Why was I that person? And <laughs> eventually I grew out of it. But so no, I don't have a memory. I just remember eating. I had for the first time McDonald's. It was in Portugal. Okay. So that was, that was an experience because the first ever McDonald's opened the year I arrived there. And the first ever mall in Portugal, which is crazy, opened in the early 90s. So there wasn't a lot going on. So 
every Sunday we'd go to the mall and have McDonald's. So that that was my that was the first time I had it. So I, I'll always remember that. Kashka mm. shopping is the place. Beautiful Kashkais, by the way. Mm, oh, love me. I love Lisbon and that whole like metropolitan area. It's just one of my favorite places in the world. And the, one of the first times I'd been there, like in the recent past, um, you really helped a lot with just suggesting so many things. And oh, I did. Didn't I? Oh my goodness, you were the perfect travel guide. You and um, my other friend Milton, who also grew up there. Um, just gave me the best, the best things of the city. Mm-hmm. It was a great foundation. And then, of course, many, many trips after that. And now I, I can't say it feels like a home, but it's so familiar now. And yeah. whenever we go back, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just something about this city and its people yeah. that I just love. And you know me, I'm a big fish person. And so... I can eat it every day, and it's some of the best fish I've ever had in the entire world. Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me, give me bakayao every day. Give me sea bass, sea bream, a whole one, simply grilled, the best seasoning, simple but seasoned. Yeah. I'm sad. Simple but seasoned. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not crazy amounts of different spices no. you wouldn't describe portuguese cuisine like that but it's well done it's like there's love in there somewhere yeah isn't it um you this is another fun fact about me i never had bacalhau until i moved out of portugal and came back as an adult so salted cod is used in numerous cuisines from all over the world according to wikipedia bacalhau abrash is a portuguese dish made from shreds of salted cod onions and thinly chopped fried potatoes, all bound with scrambled eggs. It's usually garnished with black olives and sprinkled with fresh parsley. Terrible, right? What? What? What did you actually eat? <laughs> you know the answer. Rice and Rice beans. Rice and beans. Like, <laughs> it, I, was, I just didn't like anything. Like, mm. I just didn't change what I liked. You know, um, Again, I only had a Big Mac meal when I worked at McDonald's at the big, big age of 17. Like, I wouldn't, I would go in there and only have nuggets. I was that person. I don't know why. Um, I, I didn't, it's because everyone was going on and on about things. And I was like, I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't want it. But I missed it so much. Even the things that I'd never had before once I moved out of the country, I was like, <gasps> and I came back and I discovered, rediscovered Portugal mm. as an adult. Yeah. You are Ricardo, my friend, but you also are Ricardo, the family man. Wow. Yeah. Wonderful father and husband. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, we've spoken a lot about your childhood or just Mm -hmm. the early part of your adulthood. And now that you have this family, this big family. Right. What's that like? You know, has that changed how you eat? I mean... Jerica, your wife, mm-hmm. she's from the Philippines. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Her and her amazing family, some of whom I've met. Yeah, 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 yeah. How has Filipino culture, cuisine been integrated into your life, into your everyday? I'm an honorary Filipino. And I, I know she's going to be rolling her eyes when she hears this. She's like, <laughs> why do you want to be Filipino? Like, <laughs> But the Filipino culture is so similar to Brazilian. Mm. The way they interact, the way they eat... Even some of the foods, I was like, I swear I've had this growing up. Some of the stews, some of the things that her mom made when we were going out back in the first few years. I, like, I know this taste. Um, so 
it was very easy to fall in love with Filipino cuisine. I, I just felt at home straight away. And obviously everything is accompanied by rice. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm home, obviously. Uh, desserts, not so much, actually. Because then there's a lot of the Asian flavors and textures that are acquired tastes. Mm-hmm. And some of them I have grown used to, but not all. Like what? Um, boba and stuff. I, although now I like bubble tea. Uh, those kind of glutinous, jelly-like desserts, it takes me a minute to to like. Although they do have like something called leche flan, which is like a, a condensed milk flan, mm-hmm. which is exactly the same as the one that you serve in Brazil. Wow. Like the same dessert. And I'm like, how are these two desserts from completely opposite sides of the world the same? Obviously, the people who invaded, blah, blah, blah. You know, the same. The Spanish, yeah. you know, influence Portuguese with Brazil. But again, like I found home in another continent. Mm. So the way it influences our family is like, I, I love our cupboards at home because they're like half Brazilian, half Filipino. You know, it's kind of like my relationship. It's kind of like our family and like our kids, it's really funny. Like I asked them, like I, I, my son, my oldest one, he's going to turn eight, Sebastian. Once back in a few years ago, I, was, I asked him what he was and he said white. And I screamed. I was like, you're not white. Like <laughs> he's so funny. And then he went through a phase of saying he's Portuguese. And I went again, check the passports, plural. Right? Plural. Because these kids have plenty. <laughs> like, uh, But really they're like 50, 50, mm-hmm. you know? And it's funny because kids are, can be picky with food. Mm-hmm. However, when you grow up around some, I guess we in the in our households didn't really have a choice. Like the way you see today, like, oh, would you like squash or would you like a sandwich? Like that didn't exist back in the day, especially growing up in a you know ethnic household. Mm-hmm. You get what you're given. Talk about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, I guess because we're very similar in that way with them, you know, they don't have to eat everything that's in, on their plate, but they have to try a little bit. And best believe, if you don't eat your lunch, next meal is dinner time. Correct. You know, and guess what? It's gonna be. <laughs> guess what you're gonna be having? This. This. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little grace in there, yeah. obviously, um, uh, because we learn from our traumas and yep. we learn from what we went through, and I don't want to replicate that to my children. However. We don't give them all the options in the world. But it's funny to see that they love Brazilian food, Mm. but they also love Filipino food. So, like, I can give my two-year-old sinigang, which is a sour broth from the Philippines, and he will eat that. Like, eat, 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 eat. And you'd think, oh, you'd surely not. You'd prefer to have crisps or whatever. And best believe he would also eat the crisps, but they love the stews. They love the seasoning. I'm glad that they love both both cultures and and that both cultures have things in common that you can unify to a meal absolutely yeah yeah yeah. the only thing that we don't do is rice and beans and 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 a dish from the philippines that never works like and and jerica wouldn't eat it like so we you very rarely do you mix everything in one meal not not, not, not that's um that's what you're saying uh but in, in practically so Jerrica's quite precise with how she makes the rice for a Filipino dish. So whereas with Brazilian dishes, the rice has garlic and salt. For an Asian dish, there is no seasoning. It's just the rice and water. And, and then any type of flavor that is added to the rice 
comes from an outside source. So it's chew, uh, a broth, something like that. But she doesn't like the Brazilian rice with a Filipino dish. And now I get it. Okay. And I don't either now. Because I grew accustomed to just having that type of rice. See, there's diversity in the rice. I love that. That's, <laughs> that's deep. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for being here and, and chatting with me. Yes. You know, it's food is my love language. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that we have been able to share so many food moments, whether that be at a five out of 10 Thai place in Cambridge. Mm. <laughs> yes. Five out of 10. Or fine dining at what was that place called? It's somewhere in Covent Garden that we probably will never go back to. It was great, but it was so expensive. What was it called? Frog? Where, where I had uh, five pieces of gnocchi five for, 75 pieces of gnocchi pounds. for 75 pounds. It was your idea. I don't remember what it was called. I think. I think it was called Frog. Oh, yeah. That, that, that rings a bell. Yeah. yeah, my accountant definitely asked, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> but we've shared so much of our friendship um, with food in the background and the foreground. And, you know, I can't wait to try these places in California, which are going to let me in, get me in. And wherever we travel to next, we're going to finally do that Paris trip. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank You're amazing. You. You're amazing. Thanks uh, for having me. Uh, and yeah, now that you said that, I, I I think my real and deep and meaningful friendships are all built around food somehow, isn't it? And because my family life has always surrounded, been surrounded by food, I think my friendships naturally are similar. So there you go. Thanks for coming along. And uh, let's go to California, please. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that concludes another episode of Lick the Plate. If you want to know more about Ricardo, you can follow him on social media at Rico Castro on Instagram. And if you like the pupusa recipe or the recipes of anything that was talked about in this episode, you can find links to some of those in the episode description and in the story highlights on Lick the Plate's Instagram. That's at Lick the Plate Podcast. This is your host, Cameron, reminding you to savor your memories and sip your curiosity. And if you decide to spill the tea, always serve it up with some good vibes on the side. See you next week for another episode of Lick the Plate.